From Workhouse Connect and A.J. Benza. Fame. Uh, he liked to be walked on a leash and play really dirty, kinky sex games. He's a... The guy put the cock in the Peacock Network, okay? Bitch. Hey, everybody. A.J. Benzi here with Fame is a Bitch. This is your free show for Wednesday, December 8th, 2021. December 8th, the day after Pearl Harbor. And tell the truth, tell the truth. None of you read anything about it in the mainstream media, heard anything about it on the mainstream media. I mean, sure, if you watch Fox, you would have seen like a three or four minute report. They do it every year. But did you see it anywhere else? Did your kids come home from school and say, Mommy, 80 years ago, the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor? I don't know. Can they still say Japanese? Can we still talk about something another nationality did to us Americans? Or is that deemed offensive? They bombed us. Oh, well, wait a minute. Well, let's, you know, let's call it a conflict. No, let's say while we were just getting the sand out of our eyes, they fucking bombed us. Who? The Japs. Oh, you can't say Japs. Oh, they can kill 2,400 people, but I can't say Japs? Get the fuck out of here. People have lost their minds. Anyhow, sorry about that. I, I got the boosted shot today. All right? I know. Some of you are upset that I got the vaccine to begin with, and now on top of that, I'm compounding it that I got the booster, and, you know, everybody's got their opinions. I've talked about this on, on this show and the other show, even on politics. I respect you for not getting it, believe me. In another world, I wouldn't get it either. I really wouldn't. I only got it initially because I travel a lot, and I just know they're going to come down on people flying domestically. And on top of that, I said to myself, AJ, you beat pneumonia twice, all right? Once you spent 30 days in the hospital with pneumonia and lung surgery. And then in uh, August, you spent eight days in intensive care, and uh, it was touch and go for a while. So with all the information I read and heard, I'm not a gigantic believer in the vaccinations. And even though I went today to get the booster, the person administering it to me even said, I'm sure there'll be more because all of us know it's the government just throwing junk in our system. However, in my case, I really feel like between having had COVID already and having uh, antibodies and the vaccination, and now the booster, I kind of feel like I'm safer. I just do. And if the vaccination makes you feel like you're safer, then do it. If you don't think you are, don't do it. You don't scare me. I don't care. I spent four hours on a plane with this chick a month ago who pulled her mask down and talked to me from 10 inches away from my face who wasn't vaxxed. Didn't bother me at all. I like human contact. I like socializing. So, I don't treat people differently about their vaccination status. I really don't. But I also don't want to hear from people who, who think I'm some maniac for having had the booster shot. Speaking of vaccinations, I, I, this has to be true. It was written on Instagram by a doctor, Dr. David Samadi, S-A-M-A-D-I. I came across this the other day. He said unvaccinated people living in Italy. So unvaccinated Italians over the age of 12 need to take a COVID test every 48 hours to go to work or school? Are you kidding me? And then he described how much that cost a family of four. 
how much it costs every 48 hours. It's written in lira, so I can't figure it out. And then he said how much it costs a per month for a family of four. Suffice to say, it's a lot of dough. It's, it's changed people's lives. I mean, the mayor of New York, de Blasio, that phony, another phony Italian, his real name is Wilhelm, he's not even Italian, he just laid down really restrictive rules living in New York for kids five and over. It's happening in Los Angeles. When I go home in a week or two, it's going to be the same shit. And it's it's really bad. And while all this is going on, while people's lives are being completely changed, California's governor, Gavin Newsom, who we call Gavin Newsolini, I got a word. I got a guy over at a hotel in L.A. You know, a lot of us, sometimes Italians like to use the term, I got a guy. Usually when you say I got a guy, it means whatever you got, I can get it cheaper. Or whatever you're doing with that particular professional, I got another one if you need one. Like, it, it can ran, it can run the gamut of, um, like, remember during Donnie Brasco, Johnny Depp was explaining the term, forget about it, to people, to, to the cops who had him under... You know, he was like sitting with cops and he, they were like, hey, 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 Donnie, what does forget about it mean? And he says, well, I mean, forget about it can mean a lot. It can mean forget about it. what a beautiful boat. Just see that broad? Forget about it. It can mean a lot of things. Same thing applies with I got a guy. You could tell me I just bought this refrigerator and now I'm having problems with it. And I would go, you should have told me I got a guy, meaning I got a guy who deals in refrigerators. It even happened to me when I got my second back surgery, which, you know, that's pretty important. And I had a, a big neurosurgeon named Dr. Michael Levine. I mentioned this to a friend of mine. And he goes, was he good? Because if it doesn't work out, I got a guy. Okay, It worked out. But speaking of I got a guy, I got a guy in Los Angeles who uh, knows a thing or two about the Beverly Wilshire Hotel. And he tells me, well, actually... She told me, I got a girl, I should say, but I still call it a guy. She told me that um, every few days, Gavin Newsom leaves his office in Sacramento, California, comes down to Beverly Hills in an unmarked car. He's driven, of course. He gets out in the loading dock area with a baseball cap on, keeps his head down, heads straight for the elevator, doesn't make any nice talk to anybody near him, sunglasses, the whole thing, hits a button and goes upstairs. What do you think he's doing? You think he's having some kind of peace talk summit up there? No. He's getting laid. He's got a girl. And these are the kind of people who are telling us how to live. Makes me sick. Look, we're all going to die at some point. We're all going to die at some point. Speaking of dying, I saw a show the other day really interested me about the fountain of youth or how people, you know, different people in different parts of the world live longer. Why is that? And they really don't know, scientists. They did find some chemical called rapamycin. It's found in the soil on Easter Island, of all places, in the middle of the sea where Stonehenge is. And, um... That, for some reason, may have something to do with people living longer. Uh, they used it in mice, and it extended the life of mice. It made their epigenetic clock go longer. I love the word epigenetic. But apparently, the island of Sardinia, right? The island of Sardinia is the place to be if you want to live long. This 
city has murals all over town painted of their elderly patrons. I think anybody over 95 years old gets a mural. How cool is that? And they're really nice murals. A really nice artist does this, or, or artists, but they get it done. I thought, what a great thing to do. Haven't kids seen enough of LeBron James on buildings or the next Marvel fucking superhero movie? Why don't we let them see a beautiful grandma or a noble grandpa? I think that would go a long way. The town is called Villa Grande. It's a beach town. And now scientists are hanging out there. They've been doing this for 20 years. They have, uh, out of the 2,000 people who live on this island, six are 100 or older. That's extremely, extremely rare. Um, Italy as a whole only has 3% of people 95 or older living in all of Italy. Sardinia, six people out of 2,000. That's pretty amazing. So what is it about Sardinia? When I was a kid, there was a whole thing about Russia and all the yogurt they eat. Remember, there was a thing that if you go to this place in Russia, you'll live long. They kind of, that stopped happening, apparently. Everybody started stuffing their fridge with yogurt when the story came out. But I like the way Sardinians live. I like the way they eat, all right? Nuts, cheeses, olives, wine, bread, fish. I could live on that stuff forever. I love, there was a segment on this uh, show where they show this old Italian couple, both in their 90s, married 63 years, he's working a shovel, she's working a backhoe, and they're, they're, they're dealing with their garden. It was beautiful. And they asked the guy, the they asked both of them the question, have you always been this active? Because that must be a key to living long. And both of them said at the same time, Sempre! Meaning always. Ten percent of the people in Villa Grande live into their nineties. That's 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 something else. So something's in the dirt in Sardinia. There's scientists there trying to figure it out. They've been there twenty years. They still don't know what the hell's going on. The one thing they talk about is fasting. Now sometimes I make fun of fasting. I think I'm going to try something. All right. I think I'm going to try to not eat between 8 p.m. and noon the next day. That doesn't seem too hard to do. It really doesn't. I think I'm going to try that. that that's, that's, that's kind of fasting right there. Even though I'm sleeping most of those, those hours, that's, that's fasting. I can get behind that. But uh, apparently the older people do this, they can fast more readily because they fasted out of necessity during the war. Isn't that interesting? And their bodies remember the habit and they go right into that mode. It's not, it doesn't bother them. And once they're done fasting, they enjoy meals with very high protein and fat, like a nice piece of suprasata. I love that they showed a nice sausage being cut open. Oh, because I can live on that stuff every day. But the thinking is that genetics sets you up to be a certain way, but the lifestyle you lead has a lot to do with it as well, and also the food you eat. When I went to see a shrink, oh, also the community and the family are involved in. Even though sometimes we think our families drive us crazy, they actually may be making us live longer. When I um, when I went to a shrink before I had Roxy 18 years ago, we were talking about stuff, and... Um, I don't know how we got in the subject, but he said, talking about genetics, 
And he said, you could think of somebody that is the complete polar opposite of you. Think of anybody that's the complete polar opposite of you. And you're only separated by one gene. That's it. The rest of it comes down to, as he said, diet, the people you grow up with and hang around with, the school and the teachers you learn from, the jobs you take. It was very interesting. It it reminded me of, you can get two saplings. Picture little, two little small tomato plants. Both of them very healthy. They're five inches tall. Depending on where you put those plants in your house, what kind of shade or sun they get, which direction, where are they pointed, east, north, south, west, are they getting mostly shade, then sun, how much water are they getting, are people yelling and screaming near them, even though it's a plant, I believe in that. And all those things together add up to the way you're, you, the, the, the person you become. So both those tomato plants, just like both you and your complete opposite, were the same person. And everything else gets thrown in. And that, I think it's very interesting. And they had an old lady on there who was 100 years old, and she lives alone. Her neighbors above her bring her down some pasta now and then. And she said, two things are the most important. Don't be envious and don't be jealous of anything in life or anybody. And I got to tell you, I employ both of those things. I never get jealous of someone else's wealth, uh, good opportunity. I, I just don't. I'm not envious. I'm not jealous. It's not scientific, but it comes with the perspective and wisdom of somebody who's lived a hell of a long time. And those are the people we need to listen to. And often those people want people to listen to them. This reminded me of a story. I, I'll get to celebrities in a second. Fuck that. We hear about celebrities all the time. This is more important. It reminds me of a story when I was working at Best Buy, you know, hating my life. I mean, I got to be honest. I, I, you know, it, there were there were days when I just didn't know what I'd done to deserve that. Why was I there? I'm not putting anybody down who works those kind of jobs, but it just wasn't fitting for me. And one day, one night, actually, I was really feeling like shit. My back was killing me. During my time there, my right knee had a meniscus injury. If any of you have had that, it's painful. And I used to go to work with an ice pack around my knee and a brace over it so the ice pack would stay in place. And then I'd put it in the freezer when I got to work. And then I'd walk around until that got freezing again and put it back on my knee. I did that constantly. It was a gel pack. My back is killing me because a lot of times at Best Buy, someone wants a big TV. You got to go in the back room, climb the ladder, bring down a 50-inch plasma. It's, it's, It's heavy. You put it on your shoulder, blah, blah, blah. We're almost closing, which is when you're really getting ready to get the hell out of there and go home. You're adjusting all the shelves, making sure everything's lined up neat for the next day's uh, the next day's retail day. You want to make sure everything's facing the right way, nothing's crooked. That's the way you get you get very anal in a store like that. You check all the aisles, blah blah blah, and I'm done. And all of a sudden, an old man walks in. I'm like, oh Jesus Christ! One of those old men who's got his his eyeglasses in his top pocket of a T-shirt, you know. Didn't shave, kind of scrappy, and I said, oh, Christ, all right. He comes right toward me, gives me a piece of paper. He's looking for a TV. It was so small. I think it was a 14-inch TV, something so tiny. But Best Buy had, they did sell those. 
He said, I'm looking for a uh, TV this big, ba ba ba. I said, all right, um, we got something. Come this way. And I'm showing it to him. And um, he couldn't decide. And I said to him, well, you know, it's not like you can go someplace else. There's other places to sell TVs, but this is the smallest TV on the market. So it's either this one or you're not going to get one. You know what I mean? My friend, you know, he said, I know. I just, you know... uh, my wife uh, didn't like this brand. And I said, well, where's your wife? Tell her, come in. She'll, she'll make the deal. He says, she, I lost my wife. I said, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't, you, you acted like, you know, she's still around. He goes, well, she is around. She's around in my heart over every day. And he got really serious. And I said, no, I, listen, I understand that. Suddenly, everything changed. Everything shifted. And I said to the guy, when did you lose your wife? And he described how they were high school sweethearts, junior high sweethearts, together for many years, over 50 years. And now she's gone a year, and he's alone. And he doesn't want to watch TV in the room he watched with her. He can't bear to do that. And that was their bedroom. The living room, which has a couch and a recliner, didn't have a TV for whatever reason. He said, I just want a small TV I don't have a big budget. I'm on a fixed income. I want to watch TV in a room that I didn't watch TV with her because it hurts too much to look at the same TV and not be able to turn to her and laugh or make a comment. I mean, my heart was bursting. I said, oh, Jesus, I'm so sorry, buddy. So you want a small TV because what? Because I'm going to hold it on my lap. I said, you don't have to do that. There's stands. You could put a stand. They said, I don't, I don't have the money for a stand. Like I said, I'm on a fixed income. I, I'll hold a TV. I don't watch much TV. An hour or two, then I fall asleep. I said, well, we got stands over here that, uh, you know, they, they're returned. They're not a lot of money. I could, you know, it's, uh, he said, no, it's okay. So now I'm on a mission. I got to get this guy the right TV, and I got to get this guy a stand. This was way more important than Best Buy or anything else. My back is killing me. He's walking with a limp, deservedly so. He's about 75 years old. And at one point, I hear, (laughs) this is the the worst part of me. I hear in his, he had like a bag, like a, not a pocketbook, but he had a bag of stuff. His wallet, his glasses. I heard the jingling of pills in a, in, a, in a bottle. I know that sound because I'm a, I am and I was and I probably always will be a pill freak. And I heard that and I said, what do you got there? What, what kind of medicines they got you on? What do you got? I'm on high blood pressure. I'm on cholesterol. I'm on back pills. What do you got? He said, oh, I, I take everything. I said, let me ask you a question. You got something for my bad back? You, you'd be doing me a real solid. He says, you in pain? I said, yeah, I'm in pain. He said, yeah, yeah. He said, I got them in the car. All right, he buys the TV. We walk out. I carry the TV out for him. He opens his glove compartment. He's got a bottle of pain pills. He gives me a couple. He says, this is really great. I says, no, listen, I got something else I want to do for you. Well, I said, stay here. There's something I forgot to give you with that TV. Do you know I went back into Best Buy and I grabbed a box, which inside the box was a TV stand. And I walked right out with it. The security guard knew me. He was a guy that fought. He was over in Afghanistan. He didn't give a shit. He 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 knew I had to do something I had to do. And I walked out with that fucking box. And I said, here's your box. I said, I don't know if you can put it together. If you want me to come over, I'll do it for you. He, he lived one town away in Babylon. 
He was so thrilled, he almost started crying. He said, would you come by and put it together? I'll make a breakfast for us. Old people want to eat early. I said, all right, I'm working tomorrow. The day after that, I'm, I'm off. He says, well, here's my address. He gave me his number. He gave me his address. I went to his house the next day. I put the TV stand together for him, and I put the TV on there. And it, I felt like I changed the guy's life. And I said, what was the secret to your happiness with your wife? Because even then, I was having problems with my wife. I said, what do you what do you think is the secret, my man? He says, you know, we never went to bed angry. We always loved each other. We laughed a lot. We each had a cocktail apiece every night. We sat down after dinner and had our cocktail, and we talked about our day. He just described a very simple life. And I forget what he did for a living. I know he was in the war and stuff like that. I just, I just, it got me so upset, but also very happy to know that there are people like that who live very simple lives. And yet, horrible things happen to them, like death, which, which, which happens to us all. And you've got to go on. And as bad as I thought my day was, sitting in Best Buy, in comes a man with a real tough story. And that's when you put things in perspective. Am I really having a bad day? Or is his day awful? Day after day, replaying all the time. Doesn't see his wife. As much as my wife and I were fighting, at least I got to see her and my kids every day. And just put things in perspective. And... um I don't know. Sometimes I think God puts those people in your life for a reason. This is not going to turn into a religious podcast, but I think sometimes God or some force sends those people into your life to teach you a lesson. And you've got to be receptive. You've got to be ready to hear it. What are the chances I would hear pills jingling in his bag and I'd have the balls to say, what do you got there? And then he would happen to have some in his glove box. And he needed a TV. I mean, think of all the things that happened if I just treated his visit to Best Buy as a pain in the ass. This is the TV. This is the only one we got. You're not going to get anywhere else. And then moved on to try to shut the TVs on the wall, make sure things in the aisle were straight, and get ready to go and punch out. I could have done that. I could have transferred him over to another person who worked with me who had more patience or was in less pain than I was. But I didn't do that. I don't know what it says. I just think that we're presented those things a lot in life. And sometimes the worst thing you think is about to happen to you, you need to accept it and go forward with it and and, and see what kind of joy it brings you or what kind of perspective it brings you in life. This show has nothing to do with celebrity, although I will talk about this, and I'll end the show on this, I suppose. Nick Cannon, who I make a lot of fun of, lost his baby, Zen. Um, He had some absolutely devastating news. He said it on his talk show. He broke down a bit while explaining to everybody that his seventh kid... Zen, who's five months old, died from a brain tumor. He had this baby with a beautiful model named Alyssa Scott. 
And the kid was dealing with health issues from the start. Nick said, "I, you know, I, I, I felt like he had a nasal problem. He had a little bit of a cough. He had a big head, but I thought it was just a cannon head because all my kids have big heads. And I'm watching him talk about this on TV. And the segment began with him showing the picture of the day. Apparently, that's what he does. I don't watch Nick Cannon's show. That's what he does. The picture of the day was his baby. And everybody in the audience is so thrilled to see the baby. They have no idea the news that's about to come. And Nick then goes on to say that when the kid was two months old, he developed what they thought was a sinus issue, and they noticed his head was bigger, like I said. And the doctor said the fluid had started to build up in the kid's head, and they discovered a tumor, and they had to go do immediate surgery. And Nick kind of broke down. And he said that uh, the little baby took a turn for the worse on Thanksgiving and the tumor in his brain grew really quickly. And he went to go spend time in California for the last weekend with his son. Now, his show is taped in New York. So he went back to California. And this past Sunday, he said, I needed, I felt like I needed to take my son to the beach. I wanted to be near the ocean. And that's where he held his kid for the last time. I'm getting choked up. I don't like this guy, Nick Cannon. I, I, I mean, I should not, I shouldn't dislike him, but he, he gets on my nerves. He's a fucking Hollywood asshole, but I made a lot of fun of him over the years, impregnating every girl he meets, trying to get a harem, wearing that turban he wears, always complaining of racism at every job he's got. I just find him a pain in the ass. And um, he went, he wanted to see a sunrise with that child. And just think about that image of him holding that baby on the beach to see a sunrise. And then he said he was lucky enough to stay with him until he saw his sun set. You know, parents should never have to bury their children. The, the, the human heart is not designed for such heartbreak. It really isn't. When I was younger, maybe in my 20s, a cousin of mine lost her baby. And... I'd not been to a, a wake for a child. And when the casket came out, it it was like the size of, uh, uh, it's so bad, like two shoeboxes long. It was so awful to think that there's a baby in there, a baby everybody loved, her firstborn. And it, it kind of put a strain on their marriage after that. They ended up not making it. They had another baby. Everything was great, but... Something went wrong along the way, I feel, because of that. Sometimes people go through such trauma like that, and they don't, they don't come out the other end the same way. <clears throat> but Nick's got a lot of kids, you know. He's got 10-year-old twins, Morocco and Monroe, with Mariah Carey. He's got a daughter named Powerful Queen, who's going to turn one this month. He's got a 4-year-old son named Golden five-month-old twins named Zillion Hare and Zion Moxolydian, which you should not take if you plan on operating heavy machinery. I'm sorry, I shouldn't joke, but come on with that fucking name, Zion Moxolydian. I'm sure it's some Marvel name or something from Black Panther, but give me a goddamn break. But seriously, hopefully now he'll see that he needs to focus on the children he has and not the children he wants to make. 
was this God's way, again with God, was this God's way of teaching him a lesson? That that's not the way you play to just spread your seed everywhere and make a bunch of kids? Because he yucked it up for months on the internet, for years, about how many kids he wants. He wants to impregnate everybody. Is this God's way of saying, hey, 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 slow the fuck down. I'm in charge of this, not you. Slow down. Like I said, I don't like him, but no one deserves to lose a child. No one. But I hope it motivates him to spend time building relationships with his children. You've got a talk show. You've got a silly show on MTV, whatever the hell it is. You used to have the other show, The X Factor. You've got a radio show. All you do is work. I know money is a premium and it's very important to you, but for fuck's sake, that's not what life is, man. I just hope this motivates him to spend time building relationship with his kids instead of chasing ass and trying to make more kids. I don't even know if that kid, poor little Zen, ever met his half-siblings. You know, I don't even know how he could sit down and talk about this. I'm sure he and the mother are very devastated, but I especially feel sorry for the mother and the baby. It's just awful. And the only thing I hope is his fame can bring issues like this more attention and money and maybe help save other people's children. It's terrible. And I hope he heals. But I will say this. If I didn't, I wouldn't be me. When you see the video of him talking to his audience, his people, there's something oddly strange about it. Um, he doesn't seem, I know there's tears, I know the emotion was as real as I think it could be, but there's something strange about thinking you're better off getting on a plane and coming back to New York to tape a show in front of a bunch of strangers you don't know, who laugh and clap because the sign tells them to do so rather than stay back with the mother of that child who, as devastated as you are, Nick Cannon, that baby didn't come out of you. It came out of her. And that beautiful girl needs somebody to hold her and get her through this awful storm of heartache. And your TV show, one of three or four you have, is not more important, man. I'm not sure if this is going to make a mark on him and have him change his ways. I hope it does. But the way he handled that, and again, please, I'm not making fun of him, but the way he handled it, and we all handle tragedy differently, blah, blah, blah. It was not the time to go back to work. It was not the time to get in an airport and get on a plane and fly to New York. Your fucking show can wait a day. The woman who gave birth to your son needed to be held. A day, three, five, seven days. Whatever the hell it is. You think the network wouldn't have been sympathetic? Family comes before fame. I'm AJ Benza. That was your free show for Wednesday, December 8th, 2021. Hug your kid, man. Hug your kids. I'll talk to you later. Thank you for listening. Fame is a Bitch is an AJ Benza Workhouse Connect production featuring the endless wisdom, insightful commentary, and sometimes fucked up perspective of AJ Benza. Executive producer, Mike Agavino. 